Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Good morning! Wrestling Inc., get up, get going. Happy Tuesday. I hope you are teed up and ready for some pro wrestling punditry because that is what we are slamming in your ear holes to get the week going. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back with another episode of The Winkley, and I am joined here as I am just about every Tuesday by my good friend, Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to The Winkley. I like it. Slamming this into your ear holes. Like we need one of those commercials, you know, like they do for like the Crunchum action figures, WWE Ooh. lineup. We need one of those for this podcast. Sure, sure. There's certain lines I try to use more often so they can become okay. signature lines. Maybe, sure. we make, maybe we make a T-shirt or something. Slam it in your ear holes. That that seems like a wrestling shirt to me. It does. I like it. The Winkley slamming in your holes shirt. Can we can we avoid the Jack journalist? He's cool and all, but he bothers me a little bit. Whatever, man. I got like a dozen of those shirts sitting behind me here in the office. Those are very nice t-shirts. You should go buy them. I think you still can over at our store, and maybe you'll get one for free at an event because they're great t-shirts, Michael. They're they are. They are. They're super cool. I have one. I wear it around here. But that Jack journalist is so jacked. He's a little bit intimidating. You yeah, know. Well, that's the, that's the thing is we were putting the logo together and we had the idea to put together almost like a mascot type figure for the site. And that's uh-huh. Jack, Jack, the jacked journalist. You know, he's kind of our wildcat of uh, of Wrestling Inc. And, uh, you know, you can go check it out over at our pro wrestling store, pro wrestling tea store. See what he looks like really hasn't caught the traction we were hoping for. I think he does capture the essence of what we do at Media Scrums, though, which is just we powerhouse our way to the front and ask the questions not, we want to ask. It's so. not a bad shirt. It's a very good shirt. It's just very, I think you're right, it's very intimidating. Uh-huh. I don't know. Well, anyway, I'm working on other T-shirt designs for 2020. We'll we'll give it another go, hopefully something that doesn't scare you away from buying it. But uh, I hope you buy in today. Because we got a heck of a week, not just, we don't we don't have just a heck of a show today, we have a heck of a show all week. All week long we're going to have great shows. Today, uh, after we talk the news of the day, uh, we are going to hear interviews that our own Joey G did with Ken Shamrock and Combate America CEO Campbell McLaren. This was from the media scrum this past Friday, just before the Tito Ortiz, uh, Alberto El Patron fight uh, that happened on Saturday night, which Patron lost handedly to Tito Ortiz mm-hmm. in the first round. Um, and if you like these interviews here, we're going to play them on the show today. Uh, the Shamrock stuff, uh, obviously, he didn't have anything to do with this fight, so we grabbed Ken, and that's great audio. Campbell also is great as well. Um, and if you like these interviews, you can go over to our YouTube channel. You can go find them in video form over there right now. Did you did you watch Ortiz El Patron? Did you catch I, I saw the highlights. If you want to call the, the three minutes or whatever it was that it took to get – or three minutes for May. It wasn't very long at all. How long was that match? It was about it was three like, minutes. Yeah, I think it was right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I watched the highlights of it, which wasn't very much. But, um, yeah, just obviously Ortiz, the bad boy here, has been doing this a long time, and that has been the main way he's made his living, and you, you could tell in that bout. So, oh, yeah. These these interviews were fantastic, too, guys. I'm going to put these over here. Um, Ken Shamrock, I, I just love everything about him these days. People are getting more time with him. He seems like he's at that stage in life 
where he's just happy to be around and be doing stuff. And it's so cool. Totally. Totally, totally, absolutely. So uh, very excited to bring you those interviews here later on in the show. And I don't usually do this. I usually wait till the end of the show to announce what's going to happen tomorrow, but it's already in the can, and i got to let the cat out of the bag. If you come back tomorrow, I did about 50 minutes with WWE Hall of Famer, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Woo! Woo! Uh, you know, I, you know I, ha- I, just, I decided to shoot for the moon. It's the end of the year. I was like, I want some big interviews to close out 2019. Uh, Ric Flair, his wife, Wendy a.k.a. WCW's Fifi the Maid. Great people. I was so ecstatic. They got right back to me, and we set it up. And it's, like, the most casual conversation I've ever had with Ric Flair. So I'm very – I'm stoked to bring it to you all tomorrow. Big one tomorrow, Mike. That's awesome, dude. Uh, that is – he is uh, – did you uh, did you talk about the ex-wives? Uh, no, he didn't really get it. Ah. He, did, he did put over his current wife uh, and noted that she uh, has her own source of revenue because she works. Oh. And he's like, that's different, and I like that, <laughs> that, she, that she also makes money. Not to take any shots at anybody else. And no, we talk about, you know, we talk about the work he did in Saudi with Hulk. We talk about the travel issues that came up because him and Hulk got out of town before everybody else. Uh, We talk about Corey Graves' comments about his daughter, Charlotte Flair. Um, We talk about merchandising. We talk about a lot of things. We'll play tomorrow. Come back for it. Uh, But with that, let's get to it here. News you news. News will leave a bruise. Uh, We will start off with the bruisiest, newsiest news of the past five days, and that is the WWE releases of Luke Harper, Sin Cara, and The Ascension. Uh, Ring of Honor star Marty Skrull, he posted a photo with Luke Harper immediately after the releases were announced and teased Harper could be joining his stable, Villain Enterprises, which is currently him, uh, Brody King, and PCO in Ring of Honor. Oh, and Flip Gordon as well. Uh, The Wrestling Observer uh, reporting that WWE has confirmed that all four of these talents have a 90-day non-compete clause, and those non-compete clauses will expire on Sunday, March 8th, 2020. The Observer also noting that Harper's contract was set to expire on the same point anyway, as he was set to become a free agent roughly two weeks later on March 25th. Uh, There may be more releases to come. Uh, Several stars have asked for the release, and while some didn't get initially their request approved, it's expected that more announcements are on the way. So this is it, uh, potentially the tip of the iceberg, for some names uh, exiting the company from WWE all at once, which happens this time of the year sometimes at WWE. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a throwaway news story here on a, on a Sunday. I think it was, what, Sunday morning they did this, kind yeah. of away from the totally. blitz and glam of SmackDown and before Monday Night Raw kicked up. Totally. So totally. interesting timing. Um, but, but you know, here's the thing about it, right? They didn't just release one or two. They kind of went out there and did all the guys, like, hey, y'all want to be released. The Ascension here... Not shocking they were released, but the one that nobody had been talking about that much as of late. Mm-hmm. So um, they're, they're, they're a really good tag team. I mean, I think we forget that because of the way they've been booked in the last four or five years. But they still have the record for the longest reigning NXT tag team titles. And they established that brand of tag team wrestling at a time before the Revival were there, before um, all these other teams that have come through in recent years. So they're, a, they're an interesting one to me. We know what's going to happen with Sinkara. Luke Harper here is the guy that I think is going to go on and do something big. Uh, the ROHTs, I like it. I dig it. Villain Enterprises. But I want to see him go to like, yeah, maybe ROH or maybe AEW and tear it up. Because Luke Harper, great muscle man, but dude can wrestle. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, I, I'm i very interested to see where Luke Harper winds up. Um, you know, we have a, a, I'll bring in here uh, Matt Hardy. He lost to Drew McIntyre uh, last night on Raw before the match McIntyre. Uh, talked about the shortfallings of Matt Hardy and why he shouldn't maybe be reproducing, which that's, I mean, come on, these kids, <laughs> these kids know, know what's going on, right? Some of these kids are like the oldest <laughs> is old enough to know he's being insulted with that line. Right. 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 Anyway, putting that aside, 
God, uh, you know, Paul Heyman must just hate families, right? It's the no, Rusev Lana thing going on. It's the it's the kids from the Hardy family. Maybe maybe well, Vince is the one who's always been historically for. Maybe Paul's actually trying to like rein him in. He's like, guys, this is the much tamer version of what Vince runs right now. <laughs> um, anyway, regardless of how they it happened, it did happen. He insulted his his kids. He insulted Matt. He beat him down. Uh, not quite a squash, but a pretty quick quick uh, pretty quick loss there. Matt is, of course, doing Team Extreme. He's kind of hinting at the broken character a little bit, but largely Team Extreme. Uh, so I'm watching this match, Mike, and I just tweeted out in all caps uh, that Matt Hardy's booking screams, we know you're leaving in, in two months, so we're going to demean you and, and put uh, make you lose the talent that is sticking around. And to my chagrin, Matt Hardy actually liked that tweet on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, it does seem pretty evident that Matt may be on his way out too. And, you know, Matt Hardy, Luke Harper, you know, these, these are names I see in AEW. Sin Cara, I'm sure he'll go down to, to Mexico. AAA has a great relationship with AEW and MLW now as well. So I could see a, a great market for him. And yeah, the Ascension, you know, I've heard from a couple promoters, uh, that I reached out to and asked them what they thought of the releases. They, there's a lot of requests from fans on the Indies right now for the Ascension. So I'm sure those guys will be fine too, but just kind of a look right now at who may be out the door. I'd throw Michael Bennett into that category as well, since he's been so outspoken recently. Matt Hardy could be a big get too, especially look, I mean, these contracts, non-competes expiring right around uh, WrestleMania season before the big show. You bring up a guy like Luke Harper, the week of mania, you take some of that buzz for yourself. It's a pretty smart idea. Oh, sure. I mean, but it's not just you got it's not just having Luke Harper. It's like, what do you do with a Luke Harper? Right. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I'm I maybe like, ooh, the inner circle bringing somebody in. I don't know. Get creative. I really thought too hard about give it. Give him but. a cage, put a little cloth over it. Let him bring it down the ringside. What's in the cage? It's a mystery for weeks. You talk trash, Mike, but you know, that's one of my favorite storylines in pro wrestling right now is in what is in Eric Rowan's cage. <laughs> like the reveal. It's like when they did it. They did the uh, classic. General manager is a computer storyline, right? Classic, quote unquote, used used loosely. The reveal is never going to be as good as the tease here. It's like lost, right? It's not. No. It's not going to pay off. I don't care, man. Whatever it is, <laughs> I'm going to be so down for it. I don't really at this point. I don't care because, like, I'm not going to. I'm going to get a little on soapbox here. Soapbox here right now. <laughs> it's given something interesting for Eric Rowan that genuinely, sure. like, you're like, oh, what's going on? I loved the spot with the, the the jobber guy who stole the cage to get in Rowan's head and almost got him counted out. I was like, okay, great. If he didn't have the cage, we couldn't have done that spot, right? How many guys That's can true. you do that with? So I don't hate it. And also when Brian Wool, a, a great correspondent for us here on the site, came to me about like a week or so ago and was like, hey, I'd like to do kind of a retrospective piece, looking back at Tag Match or something. I was like, better yet, why don't you do seven things that could be in Eric Rowan's cage? And he jumped at it, and he did it. It was one of our, our most traffic things of the weekend, uh, was that was that little piece there. But that's how dumb I am, right? I don't know. I bet he got one of those pre-release championship titles with the, the Fiend on it, right? He's been carrying that around for a while. One of the mock-ups they did, you know, yeah. if those are worth 6500 this has got to be worth at least ten grand. Yeah, agreed. Maybe it's one of those Undertaker custom titles. Those things are pricey. Mm. Pricey. Uh, let's take a let's take a leap over here to uh, AEW and NXT. We were just buzzing about them here not long ago. Uh, Showbuzz Daily reporting that AEW Dynamite last week on Wednesday night on TNT drew eight hundred fifty one thousand viewers, while NXT on USA drew eight hundred forty five thousand viewers. A difference of only six thousand viewers between the two shows. Dynamite beat NXT by a razor thin margin of point seven one percent. AEW ranked number eight in the cable top 150, which ranks uh, the show's rating in the 18 to 49 demo, 
while NXT was at number 12. AEW ranked number 33 overall in viewership, while NXT ranked 34, one rung below. Yeah, whoo. It's getting hot in here, Michael. I'll say, quote, quote Jim Ross, things are about to heat up here. Um, you know, this is where we are. Wednesday Night Wars are a thing. Now we're not crossing a million. We're not growing every week. But both of these are respectable numbers, I think, especially where NXT had dipped down and AEW, not at their highs, but they, they had kind of dropped back a little bit too. I think it's cool, man. I, I'm glad to see that NXT is here and they are bringing it because that brand is doing some really cool stuff, much like AEW is as well. And I think it shows that there is room for both of these these companies to succeed. Um, these numbers going up in the 18 to 49 demo, I think they are bringing in some some audience members. I saw something really interesting, somebody speculating that maybe they're taking numbers from Raw and converting them to NXT fans. So um, that was a really interesting graph that I saw out there on Twitter. Hmm. But again... Looking at NXT here as a growing brand, looking at AEW stabilizing at a an off-season of the year here, I think it's really cool. And by the way, I want to put this plug out there. I was talking to you about it before the show started. Right. Adam Cole did a great commercial for WWE on Fox um, called, uh, he, he says, joins Rachel Bonetta, Fox correspondent, for wrestling with your feelings. He, basically, Adam Cole going to do a therapy session, and it is hilarious. Okay. I'm glad you worked that in. I know you're so adamant about bringing that commercial up on the show today. You brought it up before we even recorded. Wanted me to take well, two minutes. good mi- stuff. You got to check it out. Take the- hey, Nick, before we record, take two minutes to watch this commercial. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. I tried my best to be prepared. I'll watch it later, though. It uh, wasn't on the run sheet. That's my bad. Just- <laughs> too focused this morning. Busy morning. Anyway, uh, this is very exciting. This is where it really becomes interesting for the fans. They want this back and forth. And uh, that you're right. It is interesting that this is the time of the year where they seem to be stabilizing. I think next week maybe could see even a little bit better. Who who knows, you know, if this is around where we're going to be. But then after that, um, you know, you're going into Christmas where they're going to be off that week. You're going into New Year's the week after, uh, which is also, I believe, on a Wednesday this year. And, uh, you know, so I don't really know that we're going to see another big, bigger burst of viewership like this till January-ish. You know, this might be the best that I think they're going to do for a little while is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and they might even drop back some. I mean, they could be dropping down Christmas Day, doing half a mil. Yeah. You know, that's not a bad thing here. Yeah. I don't bother me. But keep in mind, when WrestleMania season picks up in January, going into the Rumble, I expect WWE to double down on NXT again. These guys will be featured on the big card. And, and in the Royal Rumble, that's another chance to do this cross-brand battle for supremacy in a different way. And so NXT stars back on Raw or SmackDown for some run-ins, for some Rumble-style matches could do something interesting here to the ratings. Um, also in the world of AEW, uh, yesterday, they, yesterday they announced a partnership with C2E2, uh, which is the Comic and Entertainment Expo here in uh, Comic-Con and Expo and Entertainment Expo. That's right, Comic-Con and Entertainment Expo. It's here in Chicago. They've teased more details soon. And uh, this is in my backyard. I did get wind of what I think this is. An, I think I think I had the scoop here on what this announcement may be that could come as soon as tomorrow, Michael. And mm. I think that AEW tomorrow is going to announce uh, they're, that they're going to be doing some kind of pay-per-view February 29th at the Trust Arena here in Chicago. And uh, this came from reliable sources, vetted this a bit, reached out to AEW. They didn't want to comment one way or another, so uh, and they, they don't usually do that anyway. But in what this feels like to me is what they did with Fighter Fest, where they paired with that video game tournament or festival that was going on down in Daytona Beach, and then they did Fighter Fest, right? We covered yeah. that show. Um, 
this uh, feels like something they're going to do very similarly because the Wintrust Arena is actually attached to McCormick Place, which is where C2E2 is held. So this would all be, it would almost be exactly like what they did at Fighter Fest, it looks like, honestly. Yeah, what was, I was trying to remember what that video game promotion was. Um, it was a similar, uh, oh, CEO, that's right, it was CEO. Yes, yes, so. yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, so C2E2, I think AEW doing this niche of video game-related conferences or tournaments or whatever you want to call it, conventions, I guess, um, alongside the pro wrestling stuff makes a lot of sense. They have a very strong following in that overlap, so that's cool. I think it's fascinating they're going to be doing another show in Chicago this soon after doing these previous but, shows this year in Chicago. But it's a built-in audience, right? Sure. And, like, you know, Chicago, good market. Um, they the, AEW did a panel uh, earlier this year at C2E2. It was, like, this show, this in fact, you say, like, February, March of this year. Because I cover C2E2 every year, and I went and sat in on the panel. It was a great panel. And they teased that they were coming back to uh, Chicago for All Out, which they did and all that. So they already have a relationship with C2E2. Um, and... Um, uh, yeah, I think I think it'll be great. I mean, it's a guaranteed crowd, right? You set up a ring there, boom, there's everybody there. They're gonna go over there and watch AEW, run it on the BR live app. I don't I don't know that it would be, you know, they say they're gonna do the big four pay per views each year. I don't really know that this would be one of those mm. uh, tent pole big four because that's not really what I think Fighter Fest was intended to be was like a tent pole one. They kind of just did that on BNR live for free. It's just an event. I could see this being something very similar to that. Yeah, and that was actually Fighter Fest was a really good show without even needing a championship match to yeah. headline it. So I, I like this model. I think it makes a lot more sense than doing 15 pay-per-views a year. Well, we're going to find out the details soon. We'll see how accurate I was here. This was my sleuthing. We'll see how well that went. Uh, AEW has also announced uh, that Big Swole and Chris Statlander uh, have signed with the company. Um, uh, Big Swole, both, I mean, Chris was on the show or was on Dynamite just last week. She's been breaking out. People love Big Swole. Uh, two great additions to the women's division, and uh, uh, they added Melanie Cruz, of course, last week, who's now part of the Nightmare Collective. Um, starting to get a, starting to take more shape. The women's division is. It hasn't had much prominence, I guess, up till this point, uh, outside of a couple, you know, notable matches. You know. Yeah, it's a, been a little bit light here. I think adding some talent like this, people are excited about. I think giving some of these talents some secondary or third storylines outside of the, the title picture will do a lot to add to it as well because the talent is there. More talent's coming in. And I, I am disappointed AEW has not capitalized more on what seemed like early on was going to be a big part of their product, which is a thriving women's division. Yeah. Uh, and uh, lastly, from the world of AEW, uh, John Moxley has uh, challenged Lance Archer to a Texas death match at New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 14 for the IWGP U.S. Championship. Of course, Moxley was stripped of the title in October uh, after weather issues forced him off of New Japan's King of Pro Wrestling card against Juice Robinson. Lance Archer then stepped into Moxley's place, took on Juice, captured that title, and has been uh, carrying it uh, very well uh, ever since for the past month and a half or so. And Lance Archer is actually going to bring uh, that U.S. Championship to Warrior Wrestling 7, which I'll be calling on Friday night. You can stream that on, on Fight TV. And has invited John Moxley to come to that show and confront him. So I, I legitimately don't know if that's happening or not. But if it does, you'll hear in my voice uh, how awesome that is when I'm calling the show. So <laughs> That's great. Lance Archer, I got, got the chance to meet him, interview him back at All Out. He is an amazing talent. We've seen what he's done in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I would love to see him do something with AEW. But to me, the big storyline here coming out of this, yeah, John Moxley, Lance Archer will be a great match. Right. But the partnership between AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling, I know they say there is no partnership, right? I don't right? see it. I don't see it. 
But we continue to see guys like John Moxley interact with New Japan, or like Chris Jericho interact with New Japan. So while there is no real partnership, they are obviously using this, New Japan Pro Wrestling, AEW is using New Japan Pro Wrestling to put over their talent on a bigger stage, and I think that's a really interesting thing to look at going into 2020. I, I think they know that if they send talent to New Japan, they won't be done wrong, but I also think that they also know that the only talent New Japan wants from AEW is big names they can make money with. Because Moxley and, and, and Jericho, I think, would be the only two really going back and forth and... Um, I just, I mean, they're like Andre the Giant. It's like, okay, you can use him for a little bit and then send him back to us. You know, I don't really see a formal partnership uh, going on between a AEW and New Japan anytime soon. I just don't. No, no, no. No, I, I don't, I'm not saying there's going to be a formal partnership, but this is also, I believe, very strategic on AEW's part because the more prominence a guy like Moxley gets out there on an international stage, it does increase. There is no other way AEW has right now, like, WWE can use Raw and SmackDown to divert viewers to NXT every week. AEW doesn't have that. So I think in some way they're kind of using this as a backwards way to get those viewers over to AEW more frequently. Okay. Uh, well, let's leap over here to WWE again. <clears throat> Before we get to TLC, uh, I did want to point out what I thought was the biggest story of Raw last night, and that is that Seth Rollins uh, has finally uh, completed his heel turn or return to heel uh, back on Raw. He aligned with AOP formally. They attacked Kevin Owens. He cut this great heel promo on the crowd about how he's not appreciated. I loved all of this on a lot of levels. They listened to the fans. They heard the fans wanting to boo Seth. They gave them that opportunity. They gave them the reason to boo him that they've all been tweeting about. And on top of that, they gave him two big dudes to hide behind so he could be like a chicken shit heel. You know, so I think... Uh, masterfully done here. I was just a big fan of the heel turn for Seth on Raw and the aligning with AOP. A lot, lot of room to go here. I just wanted to put that over before we got to anything else. Yeah, and, and you said it well. I think that the piece here, Owens, is looking fantastic Agreed. right now. Yes. Yeah, he just like this storyline works because of the great work in the writing that went into the Seth Rollins character, but also Owens going around backstage looking for it. He's ready for a fight yes. and it feels very organic for him to be like that because he's already a tough guy. And so the fans are behind him. Owens is the most Attitude Era like character we have on the screen these days. And he just owns that spot. Yeah, and in some ways I could see Rollins almost in kind of a, almost like a Triple H type role, like corporation type role. I don't want to say DX type role, but definitely, um, elite, I don't know. <clears throat> there's, there's, you know, look, you, Steve Austin and The Rock made each other, right? Mm -hmm. And you need to have a great good guy and a great bad guy. And this is actually something Ric Flair goes into detail in an interview tomorrow about, because he had to play heel against Hulk in this little crown jewel thing that they did. Um and a great heel can make a great baby, and a great baby can make a good heel. And I think you're right. I mean, these guys are vets. I mean, it's crazy to think about how long Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins have been wrestling. But even at this point now, I really feel like some of the best stories and energy they have could be ahead of them. I, I love the energy between Owens and Seth Rollins right now. They complement each other so incredibly well. Well, you you mentioned, and I don't I don't like to use this terminology to describe Kevin Owens because I think it oversimplifies the great work he's doing. Right. But that Austin Rock dynamic does feel like what is happening here between these two, well, with Owens being the guy the fans have gotten behind organically, and he's just kind of a not unhinged, but just a loose badass who can do whatever he wants. And Seth Rollins is tugging on those rock heartstrings here where he comes out and he says, I did everything I could do for you, right? Yeah. The Rock used to put down the audience all the time saying, I'm out here. I'm the people's champ and you guys don't appreciate me. That dynamic works. Well, and he did have muscle when he cut that promo. We had Mark Henry and D'Lo yep. Brown and Ron Simmons. He had a whole yep. army with him. He was in the nation of domination when that happened. So, yeah, I, I think the Rock-Austin 
comparison between these two is, is totally apt, but with that comparison made, I genuinely feel these guys are going to do their best to make it their own. So yes. I'm, I'm interested to see how that happens. So uh, with that said, let's look ahead here to this Sunday's WWE TLC. Uh, I'll run through the card here real quick that is announced, and we can uh, talk about it just real quickly. Uh, WWE announced on SmackDown that The Miz uh, is going to take on Bray Wyatt uh, at TLC. It was indicated that this is going to be a non-title match, and it appears that Wyatt is going to be wrestling as himself in the red sweater and not The Fiend. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, He did attack uh, The Miz as himself on SmackDown, but it was in a backstage segment, not in the ring. Uh, Rusev is going to battle Bobby Lashley in a tables match. Uh, This following, Rusev putting Lashley through a table at his divorce hearing on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Asuka and Kari Sane, right? Asuka and Kari Sane are going to defend WWE, the WWE Women's Tag Titles against Charlotte and Becky in a TLC match. This comes after uh, the uh, Kabuki Warriors going nutso on them with chairs uh, and then a challenge on SmackDown here this past Friday night. Uh, Roman Reigns, after eating dog food at the hands of Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin, <laughs> is going to take on the King, Baron Corbin, in a TLC match. I'm guessing with dog food hanging over the ring. I'm not really sure. We can get to that. <laughs> Alistair Black is going to take on Buddy Murphy. Uh, straightforward, they both won bouts on Monday Night Raw. And you might be saying to yourself, wow, that's a lot of action. How did I miss all these matches being announced? Well, they didn't really get announced until just like the last 24 hours because the Wrestling Observer reporting that Vince McMahon reportedly now feels that these shows are more about network signups and not pay-per-view buys. The patterns of the WWE Network signups reportedly show that subscriptions are the biggest on the last day of the show, so there's no need to amount- announce matches far in advance. You just announce them last second because people are going to buy the buy the network subscriptions anyway. I would love in. to see that day. I-, I wish somebody would share that with the media because – they people might be signing up last minute, but don't you also want to keep people sustained week over week, month over month? And I would think that if I were going to let my subscription lapse, I would be less likely to do so if I knew the pay per view in two or three weeks had a huge card. I don't know, but maybe that's what they're looking at. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, it just is weird to me because this is the exact kind of attitude that uh, the pay per view providers like hated and like cut WWE off when they originally launched the WWE Network because. They felt like they were pushing more people to the network, but then they brought pay-per-views back because the pay-per-view buys didn't really have any anyway. So I'm sure that the pay-per-view providers aren't thrilled about this. And I think there's also something to be said that we no longer have to build. We don't have to build to a now. I mean, I guess we're building to matches, but it, it, you did, you're going to see Rusev Lashley here. I'm sure you're going to see it again. It's not like this is the blow-off, right? Roman right. Baron, Roman King. This I don't feel like this is the blow-off. I think that the Kabuki Warriors versus Charlotte and Becky, I think the Kabuki Warriors retain here, and this spins off into something between Charlotte and Becky. At least that's how it feels to me. I don't know how it feels yeah. to you, right? Yeah, yeah, I think all that makes makes logical sense here. What I really like, too, though, is we do get Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy, and Buddy Murphy last night got a pretty easy win, uh, and I think Aleister Black, they've been building an actual feud between these two, and it's actually getting both men over, and I think yeah. a guy like Buddy Murphy, great talent, they haven't done much with him, so I'm glad this is on the card as well. And it makes an interesting – one of those B-level pay-per-views makes an interesting undercard match. I hope it does not go on the pre-show. I hope it goes on the pay-per-view proper. Yeah, ditto, ditto. This has been one of my favorite builds. I love the old-school build of just giving them both wins. I thought Tozawa probably looked – I thought Tozawa actually looked better coming out of the loss to Aleister Black. It was one of the better matches I thought he'd had on Monday yes. Night Raw. So uh, really great between both these guys. And, yeah, the, the Wyatt thing, uh, he did attack – Miz backstage, and I guess it's a non-title match, so he could have the match. Um, I'll give it a chance. I'll see where they go with it. Daniel Bryan's missing. 
You know, like, I don't know. Does he show back up on Sunday? We don't know. Is this where you introduce a vulnerability for The Fiend, right? Because The Fiend is seemingly impervious to all damage, right? He's like a video game boss on, on Supercharge, right? But is Red Sweater Bray Wyatt, can he take a pinfall? And do we see him weak here so that at some point when they want to move the strap off of him, that's how you get there? Do we see the debut of the actual American Dragon? Is he? Is that uh, like? Is is Daniel Bryan going to come out with his own scary mask and his own entrance and his own? <laughs> he's he's going to have his own demon that he debuts to get in the mind of Bray Wyatt and cost him this victory here. I hope not. And they don't need that for Daniel Bryan. That's not what you need for him. The American Dragon. He's got a you know. <laughs> That's going to get yeah under Vince McMahon's guys. It's going to get real racist real quick. Oh, I've read you were a dragon before, Daniel. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to make you an actual dragon. Um. WWE also announced on Raw that uh, the red brand is going to be getting a makeover from Liv Morgan soon as she makes a return. She's been kind of teasing on Twitter something. Uh, many thought it could be joining Bray Wyatt's little collective. That doesn't seem to be the route, but I do get the vibe. We're going to get Hot Topic Goth Liz, that, or Liv. That's what this sounds like to me. So she's getting... Uh, the makeover or the red... I didn't really understand what they were advertising last night. I'm going to guess... It's her, but uh -huh. maybe she does give makeovers to everyone each week. <laughs> so I don't want to say I know what's happening. Yeah, it was weird. The king put it over, you know, real big as he likes to do for women's things. So <laughs> interesting. I, I hope she does get a little more spotlight put on her coming out of this. And it's not one of those things like they've done with other women in the past where, look, she's brand new. And then two weeks from now, we don't see her again. Uh, and also, we saw Sami Zayn on Raw. He managed Mojo Rawley, um, who confronted Kevin Owens and then got stunned and laid out, and Sami Zayn retreated. But while he had the microphone, he, that he revealed he now has a managerial license that is good for both Raw and SmackDown, so he can continue to manage Sam, uh, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. And this comes on the heels also of over the weekend, like he got in the face of that homophobic fan at the WWE live event. And Daytona Beach, uh, where that went down, which mm. we have spent some time in before. Mm. Right. Not surprising. Daytona Beach. Mm. Uh, guys, do better. Uh, mm. And I'm sure there's – and we know there are a lot of great people in Daytona Beach. Uh, but, yeah, he got right in his face. The fan got ejected. And now we see Sami Zayn here uh, managing Mojo Raleigh. Um, and I guess Shinsuke. And I, maybe he'll have a stable. But, but what is – I mean, I guess this means – Sami Zayn, I don't know, like – transitioning out of a wrestling role and he has been for some time now yeah so is he still he's not injured anymore right he's good to go i i mean the last i read i think is that he's cleared but it's like they're hesitant i think he worked like a, maybe a tag or two with shinsuke on the road so i, I mean it, de it definitely seems like for whatever reason they don't want him wrestling they want him in this role so maybe it's injury maybe it's just because they need more mouthpieces i don't know i don't I really well don't i know. like a mouth i mean sammy zane's a great mouthpiece right so it makes sense lean let him lean into his strengths but also having a mouthpiece that can work a little bit if needed. Like it, it is more effective. This interesting stable though, where he's got guys on SmackDown that's behind, he's behind guys on raw. He's behind, like he's kind of all over the place. I dig it. It's something different and unique. This um, manager license that goes across both brands, a smart way to handle that. So wild card rule. Wild card, wild card, Sami Zayn. What if we had a super show where all the stars were on all the shows? Oh, great. We're back to this. Um, <laughs> The Observer reporting also while we're talking injuries and uh, great uh, talkers uh, in response to whether or not uh, Joe is going to become a permanent member of the Raw announcing the Observer is reporting that he has been 
so strong in the role, the reaction was that uh, even though he has been so strong in the role, the reaction was that WWE considers him too valuable as an in-ring talent right now. So despite how strong Joe is on commentary, he is only on the announced team until his injury heals. And on that note, Reddit's loose lips backstage, a new source here on the show, <laughs> Samoa Joe uh, reporting that Samoa Joe is scheduled to be evaluated by WWE doctors again on Monday, December 30th. No word yet on when Joe is going to return from the thumb injury, but the WWE doctors will take another look at the injury at the end of the month when WWE is at the XL Center in Hartford, Connecticut for Raw. Uh, and uh, on the note, well, yeah, on the last note here of injuries, Xavier Woods is uh, scheduled to be evaluated by doctors in July, but the evaluation date has been moved to May. So it was noted that uh, having the evaluation date pushed up usually means a talent is ahead of schedule when it comes back from recovering from injury. Regardless, we wouldn't see Xavier Woods until summer next year. But, Joe, we could see back uh, as early as next month, it sounds like. And I'm happy for Joe. He's going to do what he loves. I'm sure that he's won a lot of brownie points by stepping up and stepping into this role he's got right now. But, man, I've loved Samoa Joe in commentary. (laughs) I will miss him. I will look forward to the days that he comfortably resigns from his in-ring duties and chooses to take this back up. He's, He's a welcome addition. Samoa Joe, it's interesting being the company man here is is a different look for him, right? He's always been a great wrestler, but he's always seemed like kind of the independent wild card. So I think it's cool that he's also supporting WWE when they need him and they can use him other ways. But yeah, this comment here about him needing to be on the roster, Vince McMahon seeing that maybe he is more valuable there. My wife looks over and says, is Joe doing this now full time? And I said, well, you know, explain to her the injury and what's going on. And she says, well, but don't they need him? Like, My wife is a casual wrestling fan who hears me talk about this product. She recognizes herself, though, that Samoa Joe is a great in-ring talent, and that company is lesser if he's not wrestling. So, yeah, to your point, he's good on the mic, um, being ringside at the announce booth, but he will be better as a wrestler, and I look forward to his return. Um, We got some updates on the Hall of Fame. Early announcements here. Batista and the NWO are going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this April. Uh, The NWO will go in as Hulk Hogan. Uh, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Sean Waltman, and Batista has revealed on Twitter that he has requested F- Finley inducts him. We'll get to the elephant in the room first. These are the four guys they're putting in as the NWO. No Bischoff, no Scott Norton, no Buff Bagwell, no Virgil, no Ted mm. DiBiase. Uh, do you have any issues with these four being the men that are going in? I have. I, I don't have issues with it. I think it's strange Waltman is the guy they pick here. I think Hogan Hall and Nash make a lot of sense. And I would definitely have included Bischoff outside of the awkward. He just got fired. Like if you don't want to include him, but don't bring Waltman in. That's a strange addition. Oh, come on. Sean is six. Six was awesome. He was, and he was such an integral part when he jumped to DX. It was like meaningful. I totally get, I totally get the love for Sean. And he's, and he's, he's back in good graces. He's been working down in the performance center. They're just trying to, Show Sean some more love, and he is now officially the only person to go into the Hall of Fame in back-to-back years. Last year with the X, this year with the NWO. I think it's fine. And nothing against Waltman. It's and like I said, it's just a strange way to go because there were other people I think at that time who also were included in the NWO who were not in this conversation. It doesn't. We're nitp- nitpicking. I'm nitpicking, right? Huh. Um, yeah, Bischoff should be here. That's strange. Well, there you go. These are the four. Uh, and Batista, uh, interesting timing here. They are really showing a lot of love to Batista right now, especially with the Data Brooks stuff, the uh, the Elias uh, Drake Maverick stuff on SmackDown. She's loving them some Batista at the moment. Big star. I think they see him as having that that kind of rock level, John Cena level Hollywood potential. I mean, he's already bigger than John Cena by most counts. So 
yeah, don't, you think don't so? blame it all. I don't yeah. think so. I think John's a bigger star than Dave. I think Cena has the potential to be a better, a bigger star than Dave. I think Batista has been in a series of Marvel movies and will be in more Marvel movies and has had more solo outings than Cena has at this point, and I think that makes him a bigger star. All right. All right. Fair. Well, maybe we'll do a Twitter poll. Um, Wrestling Observer reporting that Braun Strowman currently out of action with an injury. It was noted how word going around is that Braun uh, is suffering from back spasms, uh, but the official word is a sore hip, and he's expected to be back in action in a few days. No word yet. Uh, on when that will be exactly, but it sounds like he could be back as soon as Friday's SmackDown. Uh, WWE does not currently have him announced for any of the TLC matches. So just an mm. injury update there for Braun. Um, Oni Lorkin, uh, speaking of releases, well, good news for Oni. Apparently, he's tweeted out in all capital letters, I am pleased to announce that I have agreed to a new multi-year contract agreement with World Wrestling Entertainment. May the wrestling gods have mercy on your souls. <laughs> this dude scares me, right? <laughs> Sleeps under benches. I think he's... Who- who all caps a tweet? Who all caps a tweet? Oni Lorcan, best part of Twitter. I love Oni's Twitter account. Um, a version of the free tier of the WWE Network quietly launched on Thursday morning. The free tier homepage currently features several carousels with content in them, some locked. Uh, trending now, recently added. There's a whole laundry list here. You can go find them on the site. Uh, there's also a box above the carousels to plug what's currently showing on the WWE Network live feed. A PW Insider revealing that the recently added carousel features a lot of videos from WWE's YouTube channel, but that's going to change over time. This is a very early, unannounced rollout of the free tier. This version was designed to beta test the free tier and find any potential issues before they officially launch it. So if you go in and you're already logged in, you're not even going to see this. You have to log out and go back into the WWE Network to even know that this even exists right now. So it really is there to grab people that are are first-time experiencing the WWE Network. Now, the official launch could come sometime next week. There have been plans to launch the full-tiered version of the network, including a $14.99 version that would include non-WWE indie wrestling content sometime in January 2020, but there's no word yet on if that is still the time frame. Uh, this is smart. This is, it's been the $9.99 thing for, what, five years? How long has the network mm. been around? No, I think it, well, yeah, maybe five years. 2014 sounds right. Yeah, I think so. So it's about five years. And if they want to do some non-WWE stuff and do another extra $5 tier, I can see a couple hundred thousand people going for that, and that will be great for their bottom line. It'll see an increase in their stock. It'll make a nice headline. This does this sounds this all makes sense to me. This all makes especially sense. if you're using content that's already on YouTube, yeah. and people who might not be looking at YouTube go here and find. Yeah, it's great. Just good, just good stuff. Well, here's something that's not so good. PWInsider.com reporting that the WWE UK Championship, currently held by Walter, was stolen in a smash and grab. From Walter's rental car. This is not a work. This is very real. Along with the title, the champion's passport was also taken in Chicago this past mm. weekend at an Evolve show at the Logan Square Auditorium. Now, Walter defeated Timothy Thatcher in a non-title match at Evolve 141, and Thatcher's rental car was also broken into and property was stolen. Now, I should say that Logan Square Auditorium, the venue that Evolve was running, it is also run by AAW. It is also run by Freelance Wrestling. And I believe I've also seen Chikara in that space as well. This is not the first time this has unfortunately happened. There have been a rash of break-ins because this is in Chicago. I know pretty much everybody in Chicago Indie Wrestling. They're all on my Twitter feed. And unfortunately, I see a lot of broken glass in my Twitter feed. And I have thought to myself for some time, why is there not some kind of lot? Why is no one getting security to prevent this from happening? I'm happy to say that Freelance Wrestling, we had Matt Nix on, I think it was just last week, the owner of Freelance Wrestling, uh, he has announced that they are going to start having hired security 
walking outside, watching cars as the show is going on. Thank you, Freelance Wrestling, and maybe Chicago Police. I know you have a lot to do as well, but we I can point to on the map a place where there seems to be a lot of things being stolen. So anyway, that is, that is <laughs> my rant about what happened here with Walter. Apparently, they they have another title. They get him in a UK championship. He's, he's in with WWE, so getting the passport replaced is probably not going to be that big of a deal. But just, you know, I don't know. Anybody check the Longhorn? Anybody been down there? Lately? Yeah, right. <laughs> Jericho's like, haha, it's not just me. Um, all right. ACH, he tweeted the following a couple days ago. He tweeted, I hate pro wrestling. I hate you shitty fans mm. that think you know it all. More importantly, I hate the snakes in this industry. None of y'all would never say anything about me. All of y'all can go screw yourselves. I'm canceling my shows and I'm quitting pro wrestling. Chasing my dream was great, but you self entitled pricks. Ruin everything. I'm <laughs> out. Now, I, uh, I I have some more insight on this one, which we shared in the post after he tweeted this. Now, I know that ACH was not happy having to work a tag match at MLW's Opera Cup, which was like a day or two before he posted this. And he almost walked out over it. Uh, he was uh, made to team with King Mo. They defeated Injustice, which was Myron Reed, Cotto Brazil, and Jordan Oliver. All great talents. But I guess he was just in a bad mood there. He's been in a bad mood. Uh, MLW issued the following statement about ACH quitting pro wrestling. He said, we respect ACH's decision and want him to be happy. Uh, And Shad Gaspard of Crime Time, uh, he went in on ACH on Twitter, telling him to shut up and stop seeking attention to quit. ACH has made his profile photo, Shad Gaspard, with the Jordan Miles lip logo as his own lips. God. Here's where I'm at with this, okay? Ugh. ACH has officially become the Kanye West of pro wrestling. And maybe this is all brilliant. I don't know, but it does seem like he, at the the bottom, the end of the day, it sounds like he's not happy. And if wrestling, being around wrestling right now is not going to bring him that happiness, absolutely take some time, talk to whoever, figure out what your next steps are. This all screams of just acting out. And it, it just feels Kanye Westy to me in a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it, it feels like there's something else going on here at this point. And and what I'll say is there have been mixed opinions about what happened with him in NXT. And I've always been of the mindset that he could go outside of NXT and have a successful career. But the thing he's got to be careful of is these companies are going to see him bringing along some baggage, right? There was an issue in NXT, and I'm not denying that there wasn't with that merch and the way it was portrayed, right? But how do you come out of that? And what level of professionalism do you bring to someplace else and say that, hey, I'm leaving that behind me? That happened to me, but I'm a great talent. And that that was NXT and WWE doing me wrong. And they were keeping me back, right? Doing something like this at an MLW show, his first show coming out of NXT after all this. First this major show. First major first show. First major show. Yeah. Yes. And, and number one, being not happy about having to do a tag match with get over yourself, right? But number two, calling all the fans out who have supported you as well in all of this, it just is a very bad look. And then the part where I do take issue with this more than anything else is taking Shad Gaspard, a guy who has been around the business for quite some time, and taking the thing that you were complaining about and using it as a racist tool to put on the face of somebody else, that's that's a step too far. Yeah, I agree. But doesn't it undermine like all the things you were fighting for? Not, not everything, but a lot of the things you were fighting for two months ago. I don't know. Kanye Would West, you weaponize that? I mean, Kanye West said slavery was a choice, man. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, eccentric artists do eccentric things and are, are not always 
there like the rest of us are. So I do hope that ACH can find happiness and, and move on to something that doesn't bring him this kind of pain. But it does scream to me like tortured artist lashing out type thing. And, and we don't all get it. But to him, it's brilliant, if that makes sense. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Think about it. Uh, uh, yeah, no, that, yeah, that's fair. I just don't want to see him hurt other people as the result. Like that, I get you. I get what you're saying. Yes. 100%. Artists have their own way of looking at the world. But let's not hurt other people to get there. There you go. Uh, Major League Wrestling, by the way, we also have another note here from MLW. They have come to terms uh, with the release of Teddy Hart. Now, while he hasn't been wrestling for MLW for a while, apparently Hart has, or no, while he hasn't been wrestling for MLW for a while, Hart has been releasing YouTube videos with his girlfriend, Maria Manic, documenting their lives on the road. He also recently attended an NXT event where he sat with his cat in the crowd. I love <laughs> wrestling news. PWInsider.com reporting that Hart actually requested his release several times starting in late November. According to Hart's comments made on his YouTube channel, he felt disrespected by MLW because they didn't back him up after allegations of his ex-girlfriend missing in the fall of 2016, and police in Canada were actively pursuing a missing person's case in her disappearance. MLW's issues with Teddy Hart began in September of this year after he didn't appear for a scheduled pre-tape in Dallas. He upset Tom Pritchard, who was in charge of producing the best of three falls match against the Dynasty at MLW's War Chamber. The match upset him because Hart was getting most of the shine in the first fall. Hart then skipped out on MLW and the Crash's combined show in Mexico, which caused problems because he was a big part of advertising for the event. There were also issues with Teddy Hart being in the crowd during the NXT event where some thought it was disrespectful because at the time he was holding an MLW championship. I was, I, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of, I don't want to get into like all the innuendo, what is it, speculation, rumor and innuendo of, of <laughs> what is going on with Teddy Hart and his personal life because truthfully there's a lot of, I don't know how much you've read about some of the stuff that he's been allegedly connected to or tied to, but it's some pretty dark stuff, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> do a Google search, and I was really surprised to see him in the NXT event, even if they didn't mean it. But how are you gonna how how are you gonna think that a man in a in like a, a glittery tracksuit holding a Persian cat is not gonna attract attention and get photos taken from the audience? So I was very surprised he was at the NXT event, considering a lot of what he's surrounded in right now. So I I don't know where Teddy goes from here. He's got some baggage at the moment. Well, it's again it's one of those things where. You bring baggage in, and it's a different situation than ACH, but again, these organizations have to be able to rely on you for a certain extent to do certain things, especially if they're putting you over, as um, MLW was seeming to do for Teddy Hart here. And I, I think characters and wrestlers should embrace who they are, but I think once it starts interrupting the, the show and what the fans are there for, I think it becomes problematic, and that's what it sounds like here. But yeah, that baggage, right? Let, dry, let it drive you. Let it inspire you but don't bring it into the workplace in a detrimental way. Well, talking about bringing drama into the workplace in a detrimental way, uh, our last news item here, Big Cass, uh, now Cass XL, he tweeted out the following and then deleted it a uh, less than an hour later. He said, hey, Janella, baby, referencing Joey Janella, say one more word about me and your life will end. Real talk. Hashtag, how you doing? Uh, there's no word yet on what brought these comments on, but it, has, it should be noted that Cass and Janela had an incident back in September that could have ended with Cass going to jail if it weren't for Janela declining to press charges. This happened at a WrestleCade event, I believe, and uh, it's insanity with Cass like losing his mind and chasing Joey through the locker room, kicking open doors, and they had to hold him down, and he punched 
somebody in the face and got held off by the cops. Anyway, Kasten tweeted, it's a work, you morons, to wit, Joey Janela responded, only person you're working is yourself, clown emoji, don't come at me with threats, then try to cover up your tracks, I would never, ever work with you, I gave you the benefit of the doubt, and wished you well, but it turns out, you're just a moron. (laughs) Every time him and Enzo get even just a little bit, even just a tiny little bit, it always seems to get effed up. Yeah. It was uh, actually, I think it was that. a Russell Pro event. Russell Kate is. Uh, oh, Russell Pro. Uh, yes. That's yeah. why I didn't want to get it wrong. I, I knew I, if I don't write it down, I'll <laughs> They're all it. named like the same thing. Russell Cast, <laughs> yes. Star Kate, Star Kate, whatever. Russell so, Circus. Right. It's all right. whatever. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, yeah. Russell Pro. Go ahead. So this is just like, again, to your point here, they get just slightly ahead and then they set themselves back. It feels like. Cass going on the offensive here, probably not the smartest thing. And I feel like these guys, we've we've said before, Cass has some things and some issues that sounds like he needs to work through. But going after Joey Janela and a guy who it sounds like did right by you after you went off on him, I just don't understand why you would do that. And and I, you know, good on Janela. Good on Janela not just sitting there taking taking his bull, right? Good on Janela saying the only person you're working is yourself. Quit threatening me because yes, this is a threat. And it's it shows a certain level of a dangerous mind here. How's it going, fight fans? Joey G from Wrestling Inc. And I am sitting here with a man who needs no introduction. He is the world's most dangerous man. A man that has more lifetime submission victories than I've done lifetime push-ups. Ken Shamrock. Ken, thank you very much for meeting with uh, me today. Appreciate you. Thank you. So, Ken, this Saturday, uh, whose side are you on? Tito Ortiz versus Alberto El Patron. Who do you see or how do you see this fight going down? Well, you know, I mean, first of all, it's not about uh, liking or disliking any individual. I think Alberto's done a lot. I know who he is. He's done stuff in pro wrestling. and uh, He's got some credentials in the, inside the cage in the ring with submissions and knockouts. But, you know, we're talking about Tito Ortiz, right? Uh, a guy at one time in his weight division where they couldn't find anybody to fight him because he was destroying everybody uh, pound for pound, the best fighter in the world at one time uh, hall of fame, definitely. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't see him slowing down. And quite frankly, I think, uh, you know, unfortunately Alberto, he has not seen the same competition. Tito Ortiz has mm. Tito has fought the best fighters in the world and destroyed them all. And Alberto has been in there and has done average. And and it's still just to get in a ring, it's something. So I, I respect what he's done. But he's at no way at, at the level of Tito Ortiz. Just is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, the fight this Saturday from Texas, Combate Americas. Now, Combate Americas recently just partnered with Access. Access is also the home to Impact Wrestling, a place that you've been before. And Impact has worked with Bellator in the past. Do you ever foresee Impact and Combate possibly doing a crossover? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's pro wrestling uh, and this world of fighting. You you go back to the 1900s, 1940s, uh, you talk about wrestlers. They were really tough guys. And uh, you talk about uh, the fighters, you know, bare knuckle fighting and and, uh, people in the ring fighting. They were known as tough people. So you had wrestling. 
and boxing, bare knuckle boxing, which were the toughest guys in the world at that time, back in the 1900s and the 1940s. So I think absolutely there's a crossover because I still think pro wrestling has got some really tough guys in there and that have the NNA. And we've seen it, had them cross over and be very successful at both. Well, funny you say that. Speaking of bare knuckle, you started a promotion recently, uh, Valor, I believe it's called. Valor Bare Knuckle had an event in September, I believe was the annual one. Do you foresee more events coming up? And do you foresee any pro wrestlers with bare knuckle experience? For example, uh, Stu Bennett, Bad News Barrett, has bare knuckle experience. Do you ever see pro wrestlers coming in and possibly having a fight with you guys? Well, first of all, uh, we do have another event. Uh, in 2020, we've got four or five scheduled. Um, I know that uh, January 11th is our next fight in Kissimmee, which is just outside of Orlando, Florida. And it's uh, January 11th. And we're doing our second Valor BK, um, LeVar Johnson, which is the challenger of our champion, Mark, the hand of God beer. Um, so I think that uh, that fight's going to do well. We also have a grudge match with uh, Mike Richmond, the Marine Richmond against Lamar. Uh, La Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. But um, sorry, my, I've got a cold here. You're but doing good. Still the most dangerous it's, cold yeah, I've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> so um, I think that uh, uh, the second one in what we have scheduled is going to be better than the first, which is, is really a tough thing to say because we had a great first one. The second one, man, especially when you talk about our main event against uh, LeVar and Mark, uh, our champion, Mark Godbeer, facing our number one contender, which is LeVar Johnson at the heavyweight division for the belt on january 11th in Kissimmee, outside of orlando don't miss it don't do not miss it on january 11th let's shift back you were talking before about alberto and tito tito you say one of the former heavyweight champions one of the best in the world a guy that you have been in the cage with several times can you talk a little bit about or comment on the fact that your guys's feud possibly changed mmm history for the better can you just talk a little bit about it yeah, it was it was something that uh, you know when I talked about uh, Tito just dominating the division, right? It was he was just beating everybody. Um, unfortunately, though, there was really nobody watching uh, at that time. You know, thirty thousand buys, fifteen thousand buys was really bad. So uh, they came and, and got me, and because there was nobody else that really could fight Tito, uh, he was just beating everybody. And so I went in there and. Uh, to help build the pay-per-view market up, and uh, we killed it. I mean, there was some bad blood between us. We were able to bring that out. We were able to get the fans to see what was going on between that bad blood with me and him. And he went in there, and in all three fights, he destroyed me. And so that's why I'm looking at this fight and, and looking at the, the competitors here. And, you know, uh, Tito's credentials, man, he's earned them. And uh, – it's going to be a rough night for anybody that steps in against Tito. That's just the way it is. That's just the way I feel. If it's okay, I ask, you say that there was bad blood in your guys' feud. At this point, have you guys officially buried the hatchet? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the world of MMA, no holes barred, uh, it's for fighters. And fighters go in and they do what they do. But I believe this once it's said and done. Uh, the fans deserve to see the guys be able to shake hands and be able to put those beefs behind them because we settled it in the ring. 
You know, whatever our disagreements were, whatever our feuds were, when we go in there and we punch each other in the head and we lock in all these submission holds and do what we do inside the ring and the bell rings and one guy gets his hand raised, the other guy loses, you put the beef away. It's done. You settled it. It's over. Well, let's talk a little bit about your pro wrestling career, my man. You've done it all inside the cage. You've also done it all inside the ring. You came back recently faced Joey Ryan in a match. Now, you have faced guys of all different calibers in the pro wrestling world. You faced showmen like The Rock. You faced technicians like Bret Hart. Talking about Joey Ryan, what was that experience like? Because he works such a different style than a lot of guys do these days. Well, it's entertainment. And you're not allowed to draw a line in the sand of what you think entertainment is. I mean, if you think that, oh, that's just not entertainment, well, a million other people do. And it's proven through the social media networks. I mean, Joey Ryan's a popular guy. So it bothers me when people start screaming and pointing fingers and saying, well, why you, you're above that. You shouldn't be doing that stuff. And it's like, I don't get to make the rules. I mean, I don't get to say, oh, what's entertainment, what's not entertainment. I'm here to do my job. And that's what I do. And if, if you don't like that, go talk to somebody else that can do something about it because I can't. I'm just doing my job. Well, can I just say, I thought you did your job very well because it was as entertaining as any Ken Shamrock match, and I'm happy that it is now in the filmography of wrestling matches that have taken place. Um, wanted to ask you about a little promotion. I know Josh Barnett is a guy that you know, another MMA guy. He runs an annual event now, GCW, called Bloodsport, very much like Valor, where it's there, it's a, or not unlike Valor, but it is a hybrid pro wrestling and MMA. Do you possibly think that we could see Ken Shamrock on a Bloodsport card in the future? Well, absolutely. I mean, I'm always open to competition, and especially that kind of competition. Um, and I think what they're doing is awesome because that's that's originally how I started in the MMA world was doing that kind of uh, fights. So uh, kudos to them. I think it's a great spot for it. I hope they have much success. And I think it has a place in this world. So keep going, man. I'm behind you. It's always good to have the world's most dangerous man behind you. Uh, you also had a recent fight with a former MLW champion, Tom Lawler, Ultimate Barroom Brawl. Also a very entertaining bout, also a very different type of style. Is that something we could possibly see uh, from you in the future? Well, if the, the right, I guess, uh, time and opportunity, yes. Uh, I'm a competitor and I love entertaining. So those two go together. And so if that opportunity arises and and it, and it fits, and it makes sense that I'm in. Okay. Uh, let's flash back a little bit. Uh, we're almost done, too, my men. Let's flash back a little bit, uh, back to Brawl for All, something that yeah. the WWE held. Uh, was there a particular reason you were not involved in that at the time? I chose not to. Um, I worked hard to gain trust with the wrestlers, uh, people I was working with. I just came from the world of fighting. And then they wanted me to get into this brawl for all. And I thought to myself, I'm a professional fighter. It's like, why? It's not fair to those guys for me to go in and get involved in that because it, I'm at a different level. So when they asked me to do it, I, I, I respectfully declined. And I felt to myself, you're going to pay me $50,000 for going in there and fighting for real when I make over a million to fight in something like that. And I'm going to fight multiple times in order to win it. And I'm going to get 50 grand. And it wasn't even really so much that per se, but it was more about 
me being the professional fighter and these guys being amateurs, it just to me didn't make sense to me going there and beat these guys. And, and it, it just it was it just didn't make sense to me to go in and do that. Uh, it was it was an amateur deal, and I'm not an amateur. I'm a professional fighter. What did you think of the tournament overall, if you could recall some of it? I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a great mixture. It really tested those guys to go out there and do something different. And uh, so I was for it. I loved it. That's great. That's great to hear. Uh, we loved it as fans, and he loved it as well. Uh, let's ask a, let me ask you a quick question now about Impact again. Uh, it's so nice to have had you back, especially with your long, prestigious history with the promotion. Not to compare it to WWE, but a big criticism that WWE always gets is keeping talents in a kind of creative frustration. Did Was that something that you ever felt during your time there? And do you feel that you had more creative freedom when you were with Impact? I do. I love the idea that uh, the kind of the creative process and Impact, we're able to kind of talk through things and kind of create our own little storylines. And um, they have some guidelines there, but but overall we get to kind of create the character that we want to go into with the ring. So I, I like that. I've never been frustrated at any point in time about what people were doing. You know, there was things I agreed with things I didn't agree with. And I just basically, you know, when I didn't agree with something, I didn't do it. Um, so for me, I think it's just about having an open mind and being able to work with people and being able to create a good product in the end. That's what it's all about. It's trying to create a good product. And if it's something that you're not really feeling good about, just express your opinion and don't do it. Final question for you, Ken. Let's uh, shift back a little bit again. Tito Ortiz, Alberto Obertron, big fight on Saturday. Do you ever foresee yourself maybe stepping out of retirement to step into the cage with Alberto or step into the cage one more time with Tito? Well, at this point in time, man, I'm, a, I'm promoting Valor Bare Knuckle. I'm happy there. I look forward to creating challenges and opportunities for other fighters to really follow their dreams. I love being able to entertain in the ring with Impact Wrestling. I love what I'm doing there. Um, so right now, I, I think I'm happy where I'm at. I mean, I never say never, but at this point in time, I'm kind of really happy with where I'm at in my life. Well, that's very good to hear, Ken. And let me just say, as a longtime fan, it makes me happy to know that you're happy and in a good place. So thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it, and good luck to you. How's it going, Fight Fans? Joe E.G. here from Wrestling Inc., and I am very excited to be sitting next to the man, the mastermind behind it all, Campbell McLaren. Campbell, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today. Joey, my pleasure. Always a pleasure. You know, I love talking about combat sports. I love talking about wrestling. I just love talking, so it's great to be. Well, you know what? We're going to do some talking right now. Campbell, this Saturday, Combate Americas invades Texas with a headlining bout, Tito Ortiz, Alberto El Patron. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you saw in Alberto to put him in this headlining bout next to Tito? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I, I, I think to an extent, Alberto put himself in, right? I think he was watching Combate. Uh, I think he saw the fighting. And I think after a while, he goes, you know, I think I still got this. I think I could do this. You know, and he had a great tradition in pride. We all know his wrestling background. Right. We all know WWE. We know he's been, you know, son of Dos Caras, very famous wrestler in Mexico. His uncle, very famous luchador. So he's got the wrestling pedigree. There's no doubt. But a lot of people don't know that he fought in Pride in Japan. And if, if you're an MMA fan, Pride never die. 
everyone knows it's like the most legendary thing. The beginnings of the UFC and pride. That's just the coolest shit that anyone has seen in MMA. There's just no doubt. I will actually admit that pride is almost as cool as the first UFCs that <laughs> I did. It's, it's right. It's right there. So I think, I think he saw that and I think he wanted to make a comeback. And I think he was also facing a time in his life where look to, to be very open about it. And he talks about this. A lot of crap went wrong for him. You know, he, he was dating a woman from WWE and, 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 and they were a great couple and until the shit hit the fan. Right. And it was like oil and water. It didn't mix. I think Alberto was trying to figure out what's the next phase in my life. And I think it all kind of came together and he said, you know what? I want to do this. I want to kick Droseros. And I said to him, would you fight Tito? He goes, yeah. I mean, Tito Ortiz, it's a little bit, a little bit like going, would you fight Mike Tyson? Hmm. And he went like, yeah, I'll fight Tito. <laughs> uh, there was no, you know, let me think about it and talk to my coach and my trainer and my guru and my sensei. He goes, yeah, I'll fight Tito. I'm like, okay. I think we could do this. Well, yeah, like you said, a lot of people aren't super familiar, especially pro wrestling fans, about Alberto's extensive fight background. Uh, he's even utilized a lot of that training in his pro wrestling with a lot of the maneuvers that he uses. Uh, Combate has just partnered now with Access TV, also home to Impact Wrestling, also home to WOW, Women of Wrestling, my favorite show. Can you foresee a possible crossover between combate and impact in the future oh i hope so i mean look it's a great promotion i like it and i think that um you know again i'll come back a little bit to this um in the combat sports world there's sort of a hierarchy uh a pecking order right boxing is up here they're the purest the sweet science the technical you know floyd mayweather great technical boxer Boring, boring. Floyd, I want my money back. I went to the fight of the century to watch you fight Pacquiao. It was $4,000 a fucking seat. I want my money back. That was not fight of the century. That was boring of the century. All right. Boxing purists up here. Okay. Then it's the MMA guys. Yeah, anything goes. We're checker. They're checkers and we're chess. It's a mind game. Blah, 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 blah. Great. I, look, I fucking started the sport. You don't have to tell me about All right. Thank you, though. And then in that pecking order, wrestling. Why? Wrestling requires tremendous athletic ability. You know, gravity's real. You know, you do, no one suspends gravity, right? There's no part of the planet where when a 245-pound guy lands on you, that that shit doesn't hurt, right? So it's also for Hispanic fans, uh, AAA, wrestling, luchadors, everything is part of the culture. So we're very welcoming. To that you know Sincara has made a combate america's mask for the uh pay-per-view event i know ray mysterio is coming uh Sincara, of course will be there um at cain velasquez i believe is going to be there so we we love wrestling so i think it it's a perfect fit for us i think that you know look god bless cm punk sam i don't know if you'll see this you've got balls as big as all outdoors you really do you really do and I respect that. But you stunk up the room. You really did. You stunk up the room for wrestling. And I think part of what Alberto can do is what Brock Lesnar did, which is show these MMA snobs that wrestling requires tremendous toughness, tremendous skill, tremendous focus. And I think that's part of why Alberto wants to do this, too. When Tito said, this is you're not a real fighter, 
I mean, it genuinely pissed them off. So I think that's part of the answer, too. I would love to. I was, The question might be, do I want to do a cross promotion? And the answer is yes, I would love to. Well, that's good to hear, because I think it's something that a lot of fans would like to see. There's one particular promotion does a event, an annual event now called Bloodsport, a hybrid MMA and pro wrestling event. Uh, guys like Tom Lawler, who's also been inside the cage, participate in these types of events. Josh Barnett, skilled and trained MMA fighter, also is the essentially it's his his baby his grandchild so it's cool to hear that you a guy who has so much history and so much knowledge about combat sports wants to see this type of crossover happen so that kind of excites me well i got the history i don't know much knowledge trust me you're a lot more knowledgeable than a lot of these ass clowns over here uh Campbell, let me ask you this at the combate press conference for tito and alberto you said that the biggest draw for combate is that fights are 80% more likely to go to knock out than the cards. Can you expand on that just a little bit? Yeah, I think that uh, it's 81%. 81%. I'm very sorry. You know, come on, because the guys... So we often say we don't need judges in combate, right? So the fights end. They usually end in the second round. And I think it just shows an aggressiveness to Hispanic fighters, right? We, I was making fun of Floyd earlier. Uh, you know, fighting like a Mexican means coming forward, willing to take a couple punches to land one, right? We say uh, MMA stands for much more action, or mucho más acción. Because our fighters, remember, our fighters are young. They're trying to put on a show. They're trying to make a name for themselves. There isn't a lot of measuring up their opponent. They go for it. So I think, and... MMA is a very forgiving sport. You know, uh, uh, it's not how many times you're knocked down, it's how many times you get up, right? And again, I don't know why I'm picking on Floyd. Floyd is a tremendous athlete, and he's a superstar. But you couldn't put together a 50-0 record in MMA. It's not possible, mm-hmm. right? So it's okay to lose, you know? And way back, way back in the early days, we had a guy named Tank Abbott that everyone loved. I don't even know if he won more than he lost. I forgot. I can't even remember. But it didn't matter. And I think in some ways it's the style of fighting. So if a fighter comes out for combate and they give it their all and they're coming forward and they're, you know, very aggressive in how they fight and it doesn't go their way, I'm always going to give that guy or girl another fight. Well, expanding on that a little bit. I watched Combate's last event because I'm a huge Thunder Rosa fan. I'm a huge Thunder Rosa fan. Who isn't? I was a huge Thunder Rosa fan as a pro wrestler, and now I'm a huge converted Thunder Rosa fan MMA. How do you feel like she did in her debut? She went the distance. She didn't pick up the victory, but she definitely looked like she belonged. I think, you know, it reminded me, uh, not so much stylistically, but in in terms of the overall outcome, Amanda Serrano fights for us. Amanda is the most... Um, uh, it has five, no, forgive me, Amanda. Now it's six championship belts and six different weight classes in boxing. So only Oscar de la Hoya and Manny Pacquiao have done that. So she's a tremendous boxer. She came into combate, uh, it'd been a year ago in the spring, her first fight went the distance, went three rounds. She hit her opponent so hard. The woman skidded across the mat but being a Mexican didn't knock her out and then came back and Amanda fought a good fight, you know, went the distance and it was awarded uh, um, uh, in California. You can have a tie. I remember at the time I was going, I invented the fucking sport. It's a tie. When did this become soccer? I didn't know what the fuck had happened. And they were going, Campbell in California. If you win the uh, one third round dramatically, you get to have a tie. 
Okay. So, um, and uh, Thunder Rosa reminded me of that. I think she didn't win, all right? But she went the distance. She hung in there. There was no point where she gave up. Not any, there wasn't a second. She fought and she fought and she fought and she was terrific. And I think her learning curve has probably went like that. And I think the next time around, it's going to be an amazing bout for her. Could you possibly ever see her headlining a combate event? Oh, I don't see why not. You know, uh, uh, she's got a great following. Um, you know, she's she can talk, right? She's got a way to separate herself from the pack, so she understands that. I think a lot of what comes out of uh, wrestling is the showmanship. You say showwomanship? It doesn't sound quite right. Mm. But the stagecraft, the showmanship, the way that you can separate yourself from everybody else that's something I, I, I like combate uh, fighters to think about. So obviously she's great at that. Is she a terrific athlete? Just look at her. Look at how she performs. I think she needs to find uh, Hoist Gracie, who was the first UFC champion. And obviously, there are, I don't know if it's obvious, a very old dear friend of mine. So he says in MMA, if you come into MMA from another sport, from wrestling, from uh, boxing, you you can't win with jujitsu or those skills you've got to win with whatever the skill is that you came in with but if you use jujitsu properly it's a great defense for you right so if you're a boxer and you study the jujitsu it'll help you get the takedown know what to do stay out of trouble for thunder rosa i think she's got to figure out what is the skill that's best for her right it might be ground and pound you know, she's got to figure out what skill is the one that she's going to win with. Right. She's a great athlete, great balance, great reflexes, is always thinking in a fight. But she's got to figure out what are my tools that get me to a win. Well, it's nice to have an analyst actually break down precisely what makes an MMM fighter great utilizing all of those skills. Before we go, Campbell, can you remind the viewers um about Compate's live events coming up uh, for Access. Sure. We're going to do 35 events next year. 35 events. Only the UFC is doing more. And ours are better. I, get, I guarantee you we've got a higher percentage of, of, of more fun shows. Guaranteed to your money back. You'll see those shows on Access. We're going to be uh, in the U.S. We're going to be in Mexico. Those are our two home countries, really. Um, uh, Puerto Rico. January. Uh, Puerto Rico has not seen a world-class MMA event since I brought UFC 7 there, so it's going back a year or two. So Puerto Rico next year, Buenos Aires, uh, um, I think Medellin. I think Medellin, just because it's so fucking cool. Uh, we'll be back in Lima, of course, and not done yet, but I believe we're going to be in Spain. We do great TV ratings in Spain. We're on a network called Goal. Uh, same network as Barcelona, Real Madrid, the two famous uh, football clubs. Um, oh, did I mention I beat the UFC in Bellator in Spain? So that's what we got. 35 events is going to be great. 35 events. Campbell, I am looking forward to every single one. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Good luck and God bless. Thank you very much, Michael, for joining me to talk the news of the day at the top of the show. Thank you to Ken Shamrock and Combates America's Campbell McLaren. Uh, go back on Fight and check out the Tito Ortiz versus Alberto El Patron Fight. It is there for you to catch on replay. And, of course, uh, this Friday night I'll be on Fight doing commentary for Warrior Wrestling 7. 
Uh, it is going down here in Chicago. It's going to feature Kurt Angle. It's got Minoru Suzuki versus Tom Lawler. Now, look, I'm not that cool, Michael. I am way <laughs> not cool enough to be doing commentary for Minoru Suzuki versus Tom Lawler, but I'm going to give that my best shot. And I'm also going to give my best shot at calling the Rascals versus Team Chaos featuring Will Ospreay. Uh, what is life? What is happening? Um, you live a you live a certain kind of life there, Nick. It's a very, very fun time I'm getting to have to close out 2019. And I really sincerely hope you all come along for the ride with me. Oh, by the way, Warrior Wrestling is run by Marion Catholic High School. It's actually out just in the burbs of Chicago. All proceeds from the show, all proceeds from Fight TV go towards scholarship for the school. It, the promoter for the show is the actual principal for the school. His name is Steve. <laughs> Steve, uh, Principal Steve, we'll just call him that, as that's what his preference is to be called. And he sold the PTA board, essentially, on letting him do giant pro wrestling shows uh, as a fundraiser. And it was so wildly successful, they made so much more money than they do selling brownies or whatever people do, manure, cookies, whatever. I so I was from Texas. We sold manure. Anyway, uh, they've this is the seventh one, and they get bigger and badder every single time. So... Support, That's so cool. Support Warrior Wrestling. Um, and, of course, this weekend, uh, that is not the only show in town. Also on Fight TV, you're going to get two Ring of Honor shows, Ring of Honor Final Battle and Ring of Honor Final Battle Fallout. We are going to have live coverage of that on the site. We will also have coverage of NWA Into the Fire, which will also be on Fight. And just to give Fight some cheap plugs here, there's CCW Cage of Death this weekend. There's, there's like eight different wrestling events going on this weekend on Fight. If you're sitting at home, you're cold, it's the winter, you're looking for great wrestling to watch, Please support our friends over at Fight. And, and support us, too, by going to Wrestling Nick Audio on iTunes. Give us a nice five-star rating, great comments. All that stuff is always appreciated. Michael, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show today? Well, you're putting over all these wrestling events happening this weekend, and you're overlooking the what will be the most-watched wrestling show of the entire you're week. right. Which will be Friday Night SmackDown. So I'll be back Friday night tweeting and, wow. and whatnot during the show and i'll be back for the post game show afterwards with uh matt morgan and glenn rubenstein so check me out there um working a couple of articles got a couple of pitches in the works here sure. so um some end of the year wrap-up kind of stuff but also this week looking at some tag team wrestling and maybe you know we talk about the ascension leaving wwe getting their release how had how did that and WWE's negligence in the tag team arena lead to AW success? So um, I'll be breaking that down for an article. But most importantly, if you want to keep up with me, follow me on Twitter. I am at the Real Wiseman. I thought you were setting it up to be like the biggest show of the week at WWE TLC, but no, it's the oh smack, crap, it's the SmackDown right. before TLC. <laughs> I forgot the, about that show. Yeah. Lots of wrestling. How could you forget the matches they've been building for weeks? They announced this card weeks ago. Um, but it will still not be as highly viewed. I doubt they will get more than 2.4 million viewers like SmackDown does, right? All right. Well, there you go. Anyway, lots of wrestling going on this weekend. And, of course, come back tomorrow. I'll be joined by Justin Labar and the nature boy, Ric Flair. Woo! I did my favorite thing, Mike. At the end of the interview, I said, I said, Rick, can we just woo back and forth a little bit? And he always says yes. And it's always like the best part of my month when we get to do that. So cool. come so back, cool. come back, listen tomorrow. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>